this morning. We're so glad to have you. It's always a pleasure to see your happy faces, giving God all the praises. And, and I know you're starting your week properly. This is the beginning of the week. This is the first day of the week. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to go there, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. All accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as a rushing by the wind, it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, it sat upon each of them. And they began, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began speaking with all the tongues, as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. You may be seated. And my title is a continuation of Friday, The Origin of True Pentecostalism. The Origin of True Pentecostalism. I'll say it again. The Origin of True Pentecostalism. Now, a lot of you, especially you young boys, I mean, listen to me very carefully, because you're the future. You have to deal with a world that doesn't know the truth. Uh, Pentecost did not start in the book of Acts chapter 2. It did not start there. But to be honest with you, I'm going to give you a picture You'll see it so you can see a whole lot better because I don't know how to make it any better than I'm doing right now. But I'll try to do my best. Unless the camera can focus on this, that camera can focus on this board here. Is that possible? Okay. I guess it's not possible. But I'm going to show you some things here that you will not see in many churches or in any church for that matter unless the pastor deliberately go out of his way to show it to you, unless he shows it to you. What you're looking at here in my little chart here is a little diagram I developed to give you a picturesque view of Pentecost. Started not in the New Testament, but actually in the Old Testament. Pentecost is a Greek word that comes from the Hebrew teaching on the Feast of Weeks. If you go into Leviticus 23, go there, and when you go home, read the entire chapter. It will tell you the origin of Pentecost. Pentecost didn't start in the United States, Africa, Europe, or America. It started, amen, in fact, in the land of Egypt. That's where it began. Would you believe that? In the land of Egypt, that's where Pentecost 
started. Didn't start in the promised land. But Pentecost was designed to get you into the promised land. Most people think Pentecost start with the Jews in Jerusalem. You're wrong. It's going to take Pentecostal experience to get you into the promised land. And here's how I know this. From Genesis to Malachi are books written for your learning and my learning. For our admonition and all of our admonition. It was a schoolmaster to bring us to where we are in Christ. Without it, you can't tell how you got here. Because number one, it wasn't you that God spoke. He spoke to Abraham, not you. But the blessing of Abraham can only come upon you and us if we are genuinely born again Pentecostal. You cannot be a Pentecostal by shaking a preacher's hand. You cannot be a Pentecostal by signing a registry. You have got to come in based on the plan that God gave. Now that term you just read in Acts 2, it says fully come. Obviously it was expected, anticipated, its arrival arrived, and they recognized it and said this is it. Just like when Jesus went into the temple and took the Bible that they gave him, and he read it and said this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. By the same token, Pentecost, in Acts 2, has the same impact. This day, Pentecost has arrived. Before that, it has never arrived in its completeness and fullness until Acts chapter 2. Now, as an educator later on, why it happened. Now, you must understand that evolution didn't create this world. This world was created by God. And everything must start with God. Creation start with God. And we have digressed into different streams of philosophy and science and traditions and culture, but you did not change God's plan. God's plan for man remains settled in heaven, regardless of what you and I believe, regardless of what we practice, regardless of what constitution or institution that we may have. God's plan is settled in heaven. And the Bible says He will judge the world in days to come by the gospel, by the scripture, by the word of God. So it doesn't matter what you believe and I believe, it's going to be judged by His program. Here is the land of Egypt. Joseph went down there, died there. He brought his family down. The book of Exodus tells you that. How he got there. Right? He came many years after Abraham had been in Egypt. That's where Abraham picked up Hagar and ended up with Ishmael. And God said, Get out of Egypt. <laughs> Go back to the promised land. And he went back to the promised land. But Joseph came down there because they sold him. And he became next in line to Pharaoh for the kingship. Obviously, he was never king, but he was next in line to the Pharaohs. And so he brought his family down. And when they came down, they lived there, and they grew to be a large population. The Pharaoh came afterwards and said, Look, we don't want these guys here. Get them out of here. 
we're going to kill them all, you know, just destroy them. And so genocide. And God said, oh, no, you won't. And so God raised up Moses. He said, Moses, go down to Egypt and bring my people out. He said, thus to make God, when I go, they're going to ask me some questions. I better have an answer for them. Now, here's Moses, whose mother would not let him die in Egypt, as Pharaoh so decreed, and said he should live. And so he was raised and grew up in Egypt. He was a prince in Egypt. He was a general. He knew all about Egyptian system, and God sent him back. Hello, you know the story how he was on the, on the riverbed, and God spared his life and all that stuff. Well, God sent him back and said, bring my people out. He said, oh, just to make God. They're going to ask me, what is your name? I can't go with another name. What's your name, God? He said, well, I am that I am. <laughs> Moses said, just a minute. That's not a name. <laughs> what is your name? He said, I am that I am. He said, oh, no, no, God. They're going to ask me, what is his name? He said, okay, I'll tell you what it is. Exodus chapter 6, 1 to 4. I appeared unto Abraham, God said, by the name God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known. So I'm going to tell you, tell them that my name is Jehovah. That's English pronunciation for the name. Are the four letter words YHWH, which they add Elohim and Adonai to give you Yahweh. And so they say, now, Yahweh is his name. Tell them that. Okay. What else, God? God said, go with some miracles. And out, and in, and out. Snake rod and all that stuff. God said, good. Go down there. So when he came down, he said, now, God said, you must come out. Pharaoh says, not so. And God says, I'm going to do a plan here to bring them out. Remember now, Egypt is the top of the world. And so God said, now, do what you do, Pharaoh. Let my people go, otherwise he's going to teach you a lesson. God gave him ten lessons on what God can do. He decided to let them go. But God said, not so, Moses. There's a plan I have here. I'm going to create a plan that will keep on going until I come in the flesh. What is that plan? That plan is, get you a lamb on the tenth day. On the fourteenth day of the month, Abib, I want you to kill that lamb. Take the blood and water and hyssop and take that blood and sprinkle it all across the Israelites' home. And tell them, as a family, be covered by that blood. All those who will not do that will suffer death tonight when I come through Egypt. And they'll die. All firstborn will be killed if they don't do what I say. Now, some Egyptians did believe and they followed the plan. Others didn't. So when the death angel came, every house had a death, including Israelites. But this time, a lamb was a substitutionary death for them. A lamb died for the firstborn. And those who didn't let the lamb die for them, died literally. They wouldn't take God's plan seriously. So, Israelites survived. And they left at midnight, God said, get out of here. Pharaoh's going to kill you. Notice here, it took a savior to get them out of Egypt. His name was Moses, who's the visible representation of the invisible God. And then God gave them a name. My wish that would come out. Jehovah. And God gave them the blood of the Lamb that would secure that passage. And the blood of the Lamb had to be applied to every person 
who decide to leave. Now, remember this church? In Egypt, they're told there is a land of promise. Look at it. There's Egypt here, and there's a land of promise. You cannot get there from Egypt except you have a Savior, His name, His blood, and the slain body of that representative lamb. You can't get there. Let's leave. And so they have to leave. And when they left, God led them by the water. They don't know what God is doing, but God is teaching them what we would learn. To go to the promised land, you've got to go through the water. And you must go through the cloud. And God said through Apostle Paul, several years later, in 1 Corinthians 10, go there, 1 to 10, you read very clearly, Paul reacts this experience. So they were all baptized in the clouds. Under what name? The name given. Under what blood? The blood given. Under what effigy? Under the lamb supplied. Huh? Which came first? The lamb first. Then the baptism after. Is that right? But they're still not in the promised land. But they're pilgrims and sojourners on their way to a promised land. Are you with me? And so, they were baptized in the cloud unto Moses and into the sea unto Moses. Now, who's Moses? Their Savior. Who's leading them out. Hello? And when they came out on the Red Sea, on the other side, and I, I think the, red, the term Red Sea almost symbolic of red blood. <laughs> Baptized in the blood. Hello? They came through it, and what did that water did to them? It washed away all their enemies. It purged them off the dead slave masters. And their bodies piled up on the seashore, and Israel was safe. Hello? But did you know, to go to the Red Sea, a wind was blowing. But the wind did not blow them away. <laughs> it didn't blow them away. It kept safely on the side. And they came up and they start dancing with the tambourine and start shouting and they start glorifying and talking about God's greatness. Hallelujah! Only one thing was missing. Talking in tongues. Because this was only an object lesson. So, to get to the promised land, you have to leave Egypt. And you can't leave without a name, a blood, a lamb, and a Savior. Can anybody see where I'm going? Can anybody see where I'm going? And then God said, now you're going to go through a journey. From your baptism, you've got to go to where? Mount Sinai. Moses is going to hold you. Come here, Sister Come here. This is my, this is my, my queen. We've got my queen. Come here, honey. See, we're all dressed in green. We've got a green, a green fellowship today. We're the green beret. Don't we look cute? Say yes. <laughs> and so Moses is literally holding the bride to be 
and leading her to God. He's not the bridegroom. He's just a friend of the bridegroom. He come to give her knowledge of salvation by baptism in the blood, in the flood, and in the cloud. And now his job is to present a bride to the Savior who sent him. But he's not the husband. He's there to represent the invisible God. Thank you, sister. And so, Moses met their need. Not as folks, there is no Ten Commandments. There's no law here. They come in on a big word called grace. What's the grace? They come in on the grace. No law. They're new converts. Right here, they became sons of God. Hello? They take, took on His name. Now, when they come to Mount Sinai, God said to them, Wait two days. And on the third day, when you hear the trumpet sound, come on up. Not me coming down, you're coming up to meet me. Now, church, where am I going? You should tell it, right? I'm going right now. You should know where I'm going. Come on up to meet me. And Moses says, God says, sanctify yourself, steer from your wives, etc., and be sanctified. And when you hear the trumpet sound, so two days you're waiting at the mountain to meet God. They're trying to meet God because it's a marriage. It's a marriage. The mitzvah means a, a marriage. And so they waited, and then God came down on the third day. The whole place shook. Everybody's quaking except God. <laughs> Hello? And they heard the voice of God. And the first thing God did was declare who He is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. If you are going to make it to the promised land, you've got to believe that God is If you're going to make it to the promised land, you must leave. If you're going to make it to the promised land, you must believe that the Lamb died in your place. And you've got to get up and come through the water and through the cloud. If you are not baptized in the cloud and in the sea, you are not going in the promised land. And you may make the journey, but in vain. Because said there were all, not some, all, all converts were baptized in the cloud. And all in the sea unto Moses. Is that right? And now, we're going to Mount Sinai. Hello? Who's going to meet? God. And God married Israel from this point. Israel is now a nation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Because of what took place from Egypt to Mount Sinai. Hello? If you don't have the right God, you are not a Pentecostal. I'm going to show you something here. Come here, boys. Come here, please. I might be going on a trip. And I... Uh, you're my son. Come stand right here. You're my son. You look more like me. All right. You stand over there. I can't explain you. 
Come on, guys, stand right here. Okay, here's my son right here. I'm going to trip. Okay, come on, guys, come with us on the trip. Come on, on the trip. In blessing, I bless him. I bless all of them. Right? But now I'm going back home. I'm going to send these guys back. They're not going home with me. But he's going home with me. Hello? Because God bless you doesn't mean you're going home with them. Because God healed don't mean they're going home with them. Because a mixed multitude came out. But this is not about a mixed multitude. It doesn't mean they're going home with me. I'm going to send you back. Ishmael is not coming. Besides it. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Now, you still like me, uh, Caleb? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. And so they got married right here. When they got married, church, God introduced the law. When you come in the church, we don't tell you, do this and don't do this and do this. We don't care how you come. But if you want to be in the marriage, I'm going to give you ten laws. I'm going to give you ten laws. And if you don't obey those laws, you can't live for God. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you believe. You can't live for God and you are not a Pentecostal. And then God said, not only that, I'm going to give you a church. A church plan. God called this tabernacle the church in the wilderness. You are not in the church if you're not baptized in water and in the Spirit. You are not a member of this church if you don't take on His name. You are not a member of the Pentecostal body if the blood is not applied to you. Oh, I lost you now. You don't belong because you're not going to the promised land because this is the journey, honey. This is the plan God takes. It's written for our learning and admonition. You don't have to go if you don't want to. Stay back here if you wish. Stop where you wish, but we're moving on. <laughs> we're moving on to the promised land. And God gave them the Ten Commandments to regulate their behavior. And God gave them the tabernacle plan to tell them how to be holy. I'm not trying to go into all this right now. How to be holy. How to maintain fellowship with God. How to maintain relationship with God. True Pentecostals believe that without holiness you cannot see God. You cannot live with God. You cannot be with God. I don't care what you believe. That's the lesson God taught me from His Word. This is in the book of Leviticus. All this here is Exodus. All this is Leviticus. And Deuteronomy is the repeating of the same law that God said twice. It is settled. God says set boundaries around the mountain. That means any pastor or any church member that belongs to a church that doesn't set boundaries for the people, 
that he's not making a difference between the holy and the unholy. Oh, I could keep on going, but let me move on here, church. Now, where are they going, church? To the promised land. I'm going to show you how God will not, God will not put up with false gods. After he gave the Ten Commandments, he expects you to be faithful to your wife. If I've got a good wife, why do I need another? Women, you got a good man, stand by your man. That song? Stand by your man. You don't know that song, learn it. But God said, Look, thou shalt have no other God beside me. And the first thing Aaron did was good about what? A golden what? Egypt. There's no such thing as a holy cow. Silly cow? Yes, but not holy cow? No. Hello? I know they're a silly cow, but not holy cows. Hello? And when they went to the gods, what did, what did Aaron said? Here's the God that brought you out of? I want to ask you, has God jealousy changed? No. The just said God is not changed. If Pentecostal, then you serve one God. If you're Egyptian, serve many gods. Any gods. Demigods. False gods. Polygods. But if you're a oneness, you serve one I'm telling you, my friend, and you can't mix religion because God said you don't plow an ass with an ox. You can't mix doctrine. You can't mix the seeds. And you can't mix fabrics. God said no mixing. Either you're in or you're out. You're a part of the truth or you're no truth at all. There's no half truth. It's whole truth or no truth at all. I'm trying to tell you, otherwise you are not a Pentecostal. You just think you are. You are a counterfeit. I didn't make it up. That's what the tabernacle taught. You don't mix stuff. Hello? And only a few people can come to this altar here. Hello? And there's one way in and one way out. There's no two doors here, no loopholes here. And God said, Israel, and Israel wouldn't do it. And God killed how many? 3,000 God killed. How many God saved at Pentecost? Is that a mistake? Now, where did Pentecost come from, folks? Look at this. If you come, go to your Bible and check one more time. They traveled from, from Egypt to Mount Sinai, including the two days that they were claimed themselves on the third day, is actually 50 Days. That's the beginning of Pentecost. Pentecost means new man, new walk, new faith. You change your wall robe. God said, I'm going to change your wall robe for you. I'm going to change the way you dress. I'm going to change the way you put things on. I'm going to change your diet. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change your walk. If you don't change, you're not a Pentecostal. Because Pentecostal means change. From Egypt. Now, this is church. God at Sinai 
took all that they had from Egypt. Now, folks, no prejudice intended. Are you with me? No politics intended. I'm not trying to be pretty correct to what happened. They had on jewelry of every kind. Hello? And they took it and built a golden calf. And God said, just a minute, Moses. If you don't take those jewelry of those people, I'm going to go with them. And Moses called two and a half million people. Now you got to stop shouting now. That gold teeth in your mouth is bothering you. I can see that. It's bothering you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Come on, somebody. God said, give me all of the gold jewelry you got on. Give them every one of them to me. Give it to me. A big old pile. I lost you now. And he melted all down and ground it and threw it in the water. Running water. And command every Israelite to drink it. He said, I want the gold not to be on you, but in you. That's why we women and men don't wear jewelry. Because it's in us. We become the jewels. He said, you are my jewels. I don't want you to wear that trinkets. When I take you to the promised land, your streets will be covered with it. The walls will have it. That's not the hardest thing, my friend. You are my jewels, and you don't need jewelry. Come on, somebody. I didn't make that up. It's in the book. It's in the book. And right at Mount Sinai, God was chaining them. And they could not leave Mount Sinai until they got the message. And when they left Egypt, they went to Mount Sinai. And God said, now, all those who don't conform, kill them. Church, how many left Egypt and made it to the promised land? Two. Don't you ever judge Pentecostalism by how many is on the pew. You judge Pentecostals by the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch will define Pentecost. I don't think you hear me. Pentateuch means the first five books of Moses will define a true Pentecostal. I don't have to wait for the book of Acts to tell me that. It's in the... Jesus said this Pentecostal faith is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophet and Jesus Christ himself the cornerstone. What is he calling the prophet? He's calling Moses the prophet. God told Joshua, don't you ever change Moses' teaching on Pentecostalism. Don't go to the right. Don't be a rightist or a leftist. Don't be a conservative or a liberal. Hello? Just be God's chosen people. You know, and Mary is freezing up here, but we're not God's frozen few. We're God's chosen few. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell, hey, I'm telling you, church, you want to go to Purpose Land? You have to pay this because they all died. They died in the wilderness. You know why? They would not change. And they served Baal and Egyptian gods. And God said, I will not tolerate false gods. That's my wife, he says. And no way. Get out of my life. He threw her out. And he raised up their kids. And said, these kids are going to serve me. Now, church, look at this now. 
when they all died off, and God knows in this church who are His. Don't kid yourself. You can claim, and I can claim all we want to, but God is not stupid. God knows them that are His. You can profess, but don't possess. Hello, don't try to convince me, because I'm the wrong one to convince, convince Him. He's at the gate. That's the one He convinced. That's the one He's going to talk about. What, do you belong or not? Hello, is that right? Don't try and debate with me. Debate with Him. Don't get me to tell you yes or no. It's not going to work. But you ask Him about it. Praise God. And the Bible said, look, when they all died, the last one that died was Moses. He couldn't even get it himself because he messed up with them. Hello. But God raised up Joshua. It's a Pentecostal, isn't it? Who is Joshua? The book of Joshua tell you. He said, now, if Joshua wanted to make it in, you've got to stay with the Pentecostal revealed doctrine. Don't change Moses' teaching. So when he came to Gilgal, what did he do? Back to Moses' teaching. Hello? Which is what? You can't go in the promised land without baptism. It's not optional. It's supernaturally required. And so what do they do? They spend a few days, three or four days, cutting off the flesh with a knife. Hey, there's a knife in this church. going to cut off the thing that belongs to you. Hello? God's come to you. And so God said, cut away the works of the flesh. Cut it off. And then there were sore. You know, live for God, right? Most people, some come as far as coming out of Egypt. Some come as far as making the baptism. And some come right here and they die. And some go beyond here until the knife comes out. And God said, cut off the occasion of the flesh. Hello? Don't forget now the epistles were not available to Paul when he preached. Don't forget, the apostles didn't have Matthew Mark looking John to read from. They were reading from the Pentateuch, just like I am. And they were ex- explaining what was contained if it explained. I mean, understand that. And from those books, they wrote this book. Everything in the New Testament came from the old. Hello? It's Revelation, illumination, amen, made known to man. And so he said, look, you can't go over it the way you are. It's no way you're going to get to the slam without being baptized. Now, God, cloud never left them. And now God gave a visible representation of an ark. I haven't got time to go into that. You know what the ark represents, folks. What's it represent? Right here, the Holy of Holies. God's presence. Now he said, now, when you go into the, toward the promised land, he said, stand back 2,000 cubits. Oh my. 2,000 cubits, stand back. Back here, wait two days. Something's going on here. You want to hear what this means? Hosea 6 and verse 1 to 2. After two days, he will raise us up. In the third day, we'll live in his sight. That means we've arrived. You're going to live in his sight? That means you arrived, right? Stand back 2,000 cubits. And so they stood back. And when the priest stepped in the water, what happened? Jordan stood right up. When we emphasize how you're baptized, it's because we care. Why did Paul ask, how were you baptized? In whose name? 
Because the name and the blood goes together. Hello? And so they were baptized in Jordan. Is that right? Like their parents were. Kids, you have to have your own experience. You've got to have your own baptism in water, in the cloud, and make your own decision to live for God. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. You can't hang on to your mother's skirt tail or daddy's staff. You need your own experience. Hello? And the kids were Pentecostal present. Their parents were Pentecostal past. It took 50 days to go from Gilgal to bring Jericho Wall down. Where's Jericho Wall? In the promised land. If you study your Bible, Joshua celebrated the Passover and Pentecost in the promised land. I'm trying to take this is the foundation of our faith. Amen. On this we built. Christ has searched the scripture for in them you think you have eternal life. Before you criticize this church for our standard of holiness, before you criticize us for the requirements we put boundaries on people's lives, Remember this. Read your Bible first because remember, it's coming from somewhere. The Ten Commandments is not ten suggestions. It defines who God is. How God should be worshipped. How His name should be worshipped. It defines how our relationship should be. It defines us how we should act towards the world. Amen. It tells us how to walk with God. And that's what Pentecost is. Hello? Notice here, there's no Lutheran back here. There's no Baptist back here. There's no Catholic back here. But there's Pentecost back here. Are you with me? Not even Rome is back there. After they did that, they went in the promised land. And what happened? Under whose leadership? On the captain leadership of Joshua. What does his name represent? Huh? Jesus. Read Acts chapter 6 and 7 and read what the man says about this guy called Joshua. said, if Jesus had given them rest, he wouldn't have spoken of another day. Joshua did exactly what Moses did. I'm saying, church, Pentecost did not start in the book of Acts. Acts is the summary culmination of a promise. Let's worship God. Now, folks, and God called them in the promised land a kingdom of what? Priests and what? Kings. Now, church, when they went in the promised land, who was their leader? Joshua. When this world to be conquered, who was the leader? The captain of our salvation. What are you going to do? After how many days? After two days. What year is it right now? 2,000 years. Since what? Since Christ came. And we're now in the third day. And we shall live in His sight. If you're not a Pentecostal, you're not going to make it. And when I say Pentecostal, I don't mean a label on the wall. 
I mean Pentecostal in experience. If you don't have it, don't try to convince me because I'm not... No, I'm He's at the door. That's the one you're going to talk to. Now, folks, let me show you something here now. Very quickly. Are you ready for it? I'm going to show you here. This is awesome. You want to know what Pentecost is all about. Is that right? Let me show you Pentecost. I just went through this a while ago. Look at it. Very good. I'll make you see that. Very clearly it's recorded. From Egypt to Sinai. The fifth days. They crossed Jordan and celebrated Pentecost again. And then Solomon, when he offered up the temple, what happened? When he offered the temple, how many priests were there in white garments? Anybody know that? 120 priests. How many were at the day of Pentecost in the upper room? Is that a mistake? How many got the salvation birth on the day of Pentecost? 3,000. Is that a mistake? No. How many days did Jesus Christ, from the time He died to the time He stayed with the apostles, how many days went by? 40 days. Is that right? How many days after 40 days they waited for the Holy Ghost to come? 10 days. And 40 plus 10 equal what? 50. 50 gives us what? Pentecost. Come on, honey. Hey, it's a Pentecost. Now, you know in your Bible that the Passover has a date to it. Right? Pentecost has no date applied to it. But the third feast, called the Feast of Tabernacles, have a date to it. In October. A date given in October. Look at your Bible, church. Just look at me. And in also in the month of amen, April, there's one for Passover. But Pentecost in June, when should it happen? You don't know. Because it's linked with what? The wave offering. The first fruit. Who is the first fruit in the Bible? Come on, church. Jesus Christ. You need the first fruit to start counting down to Pentecost. So Pentecost would come 50 days after the resurrection. So if there is no resurrection, then there is no Pentecost. So I can some say there is no resurrection. And if there is no resurrection, then you're yet to your sin. And all those who die, die without hope. Now, folks, look at this here. So all this is what I just told you a while ago. Now, something happened. When Paul wrote Romans and the seven epistles... Think about right now, please. They're not put together based on chronological writings, but you got Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, and all so on, right? Why did Paul wrote those? Those are the churches that Paul started. Right? Here's a Jew who was a Pharisee, got converted to Pentecostalism. Is that right? He got converted to Pentecostalism. Hello? And they're coming in the same way we all came in. Believing on the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Baptizing His name like all of us. And talking tongue like all of us. And does not believe in any other God beside one God. 
Because one thing that got Paul furious was the fact that they, they thought Jesus was another God. Until he heard the voice from heaven. And said, Who art thou? Adonai. And Adonai said, I am. I am. I am. So it was Adonai. Jesus. He said to the Ephesians, Have you got the Holy Ghost since you believe? Under what they were you baptized? See, you know, this is important. It's essential. How come today religion says you can be saved without being baptized? I was first saved and I'm baptized. Nonsense. Nonsense. Hello? Come on, somebody. Now, folks, look at this right here. After the book of Revelation, which we started today, from 33 A.D. to 96 A.D., please, church, I'm asking you right now, close your to anybody, even from me, close your ears. If they try to give you any history about the church after that, they don't know. You don't know anything about God beyond <laughs> Revelation book. No preacher, no church, no religion. Nobody present or future to come can tell you what happened after John closed that book. And you should believe it. If you believe it, you're in for a take. Because nothing they tell you will be confirmed in heaven. God will only confirm what is written. Unless I give you a new Bible which is not true, you don't know. Now, folks, after 96 A.D., all the apostles died. And something happened. Matthew 13 kicked in. Go there, please, very quickly. Matthew 13 kicked in. Seven parables. Four of them describe the, 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 the corrupting of the church. And the other two talk about, listen now, listen now, the value of the church. Now, would you believe that all the time when this is going on, there is Daniel chapter 2 taking place at that time? Rome is in power. Jesus was born on a Roman Empire system. Is that right? Claudius Caesar made a decree that affected his birth. Is that right? Is that true? Amen. And caused havoc to the church. Hello? In the book of Acts, Pastor, we're trying to say, they killed all the apostles. Who did? Rome. Pagan Rome. At that time, pagan Rome had a religion, but not of God. They worshiped their emperors, they worshiped their Caesars. They worship their leaders. And it was Christ or Caesar. The church said, get out of our way. Christ and not Caesar. They martyred them. They killed them. They accused them of all crime they never committed. But in 311, a woman called Ellen, the mother of Constantine, she claimed that she was converted to Christianity. Then in 315, her son called Constantine, a man, emperor, he said he got converted too by some vision he had of a cross. Let me tell you what really happened to Constantine. 
Constantine was visited by Satan. The devil visited Constantine and said, You will never, or Rome, ever defeat Christianity. You cannot do it. They're like Joshua, invincible. Now, Constantine was met by the same devil who spoke to Balaam. The only way he can destroy Israel is to let Israel mix herself with the heathen nation, the seven heathen nation. And Constantine had a vision that said, if you mix paganism and religion, you can capture the so-called professing Christians. So he did. But the cross he saw was a crucifix, not the suffering of Christ. And he used that. And the apologetics said, look, man, see, even the emperor is saved. And they brought in, listen now, supposedly the name church to Rome, called the Roman church. At the time, it wasn't called Catholic church. It was called Roman church. Then it got smart said, let's, let's call it the universal church. So we call it the Roman Catholic church. So by the 5th century, it became the state religion. Are you with me? And when it became a state religion, they, they had fightings going among themselves how to blend Christ's teaching and the pagan and keep them all together. Arius, a man called Arius, a deacon, fought with his bishop, are you with me, of Rome, and it came to an head in Nicene Council. They had a council, and the east and the west of the two systems fought over who God is, who the Son is, who the Holy Ghost is, now, church, that's not a controversy in your Bible. But it's in history, which is not in our Bible. And they, they decided that, that Constantine decided that Arius should be banished, and they brought in, listen now, the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles never wrote a creed. The only creed I know the Apostles have is called the Apostles' Doctrine. Acts 2.38. One God, one faith, one baptism. One God is above all, in us all, through us all. Besides, there's no other God. There is no apostle creed anywhere. You don't chant some creed. Hello? Now, when they mix church and religion, if you speak a word against the church, it's like talking against Rome. If you're talking against Rome, it's like talking against the church. So the Romans, amen, and the, and the religion persecute true Christian. Are you with me? And by adopting the name Christianity, they said, Pope said, well, I'm the head. Now, church, that went on until 1050 A.D. Go on here. I'm going to say something here very quickly. In 1050 A.D., all right, the Greek Orthodox and the Western papal system separate over doctrine. The West said, look, we are the Pope. You're not. The East said, no. Now, when I say East, I mean Constantinople or Turkey today. You understand? The West being the Vatican system. They fought over who should be in charge. Well, to make a long story short, the West won. Are you with me? The woman that sits upon seven hills, she won. Hello? And she becomes the dogma spreader. You, you resist her, and she kills you. But that continued until a guy called, guess what? Martin Luther, a monk who resisted the great horde. Are you with me? Rome. And he did it successfully in 1517 A.D. When he did it with a so-called Antifine thesis, 
he caused a split in the Roman Catholic religion. And the German prince, in defense of Martinus, says, We protest you trying to kill him. We protest you trying to get him to recant. And he wouldn't recant. And so they nicknamed that group the Protestants. From that Protestant group came the birth of the Anglican Church, Anabaptist Church, huh? the Reformist Church, hello, and the Lutheran Church. And they came up with five teachings that they said the Catholic Church would change to, and Rome said no. They said, we believe in sol- five solaces. Here are the five solaces. Number one, Scripture alone, not the Pope. Number two, salvation by grace only. Only. Number three, salvation by faith only. Number four, <laughs> and it goes on and goes on. And so when they did that, what happened here? They end up with a new foundation how to be what? Saved. You must do these five things to be saved. So the, reform, the reformers, the Catholic Church says, you must keep the Apostles' Creed to be saved. If you don't, with the code, the theologian the, the code, if you say you're a trinity, then you're ours. If you don't say that, then you're damned and you're lost. You're going to be killed, right? And so the two fought for 30 years. They kill each other. Hello? And then we got the fighting between Zwingli, Calvin, Justin Martha, and all these guys. And each one, when they break away from each other, they form other denominations. My question is, are they Pentecostals? No! What you're seeing, when East and West divided, is the two legs of Rome separated. Out of that came the Reformation. The Reformers are called the daughters of the well-favored harlot. Of them. And Jesus warned you, when she comes, she's going to take leaven and put it into what? Me. How many leavens she going to take? Three leavens and secretly what? Put it in the meal to the spread. The three mean the Trinity doctrine, leaven means sin. God described another way. When this mustard seed, the true church, grew up, all the dirty birds from Rome come and what? Lodge in it and take over. You don't remember the, the cuckoo bird? And push out the truth out of the nest. And push them in the catacomb. And claim the nest as their own. So now the church have to deal with the reformers and Catholicism and paganism and Judaism. Where do they push the truth? Underground. So far underground till the Bible says, The world knoweth us not. John said, They went out from us because there were none of us. Jews said they crept in among us and they crept in 
in the third century, and they went out in the fifteenth century. Church, did you hear me? I'm a Jeremy church. I'm trying to tell you where we Pentecostals. Now, Martin Luther in 1517 reformed not the church, he reformed Catholicism. But none of the reformers ever deny the Trinity. Even McMurray today, every church in McMurray, every church except this church, except this Tabernacle Praise Church, do not, sub, I mean, subscribe to the Athanasius Creed and the Apostles' Creed. And they call us cults. And they say we deny the Father. And they say we deny the Son. And they say we deny the Holy Spirit. But we said, no, you don't have the revelation. You came from Rome. And you still preach Rome. And you still live Rome. And what you have is a golden calf. You don't have the lamb. What you have is a cow. And we don't worship the cow. We worship the lamb. And the lamb is the name. Come on, somebody. Now, folks, you would happen. Is this all right? Church, I want these young boys to know the truth. I want these young boys to know the truth. I'm not worried about adults. I worry about these boys. What do they know? What do they believe? Where would they come from? Hello? We need some Samuel who will not embrace Agag. Huh? We don't need Josephus around here. Hallelujah. The reformers of Catholicism was in October 31st, 1517. Came with five souls. Look at this church. It's right here. Five souls. They said, Rome, you must be governed by scriptures only, Christ only, faith only, grace only, and glory of God only. Now, this sounds pretty good. Does this sound good? Until you read the fine print. It's another Christ we're talking about. The Christ they mean is the second person in the Trinity. I think you heard me. The grace they talk about is one the Bible says we return into lasciviousness. And Jude says, faith alone cannot what? Save you. Did you know why those guys said that? John. Faith alone can't save you. Hello? And they changed the glory of God into like what? Birds, bees, and, and Romans tells you that, right? So this sounds good to the face. Hello? Hello? But when you check it out, it's false. Because these people in McMurray and around the world teach that right now, they said baptism is not necessary. Talking in tongues is not necessary. All you need is Christ plus nothing. That's not true. In Egypt, the Lamb alone didn't save them. They had to be baptized in the cloud and in the sea. And then it wasn't even all done. Had to meet God somewhere. Had to keep the Ten Commandments. Is that right? And they had to obey the sanctification given in the Levitical priesthood. Now, hear me, church. We don't go on literal dietary thing. God is trying to say to you: You don't let false doctrine teach you. Nobody in this church can come and teach you what I'm here that don't have what I believe and proof from me. They're not. They're not going to stand here and do it. Not my living body or dead body. No. False doctrine is a meal. They ate the spiritual food. 
You're eating spiritual food. You're drinking spiritual milk. You're drinking spiritual water. A little bit of poison will poison you. First Corinthians 5 says, Purge out the leaven. Hello? Now, church, look at this here. In 1611, a Bible came on the scene. Was King James saved? Absolutely not. Neither was Cyrus saved. But I want to tell you, these guys, these reformers, when they couldn't tolerate Catholicism and the former armistice in, in Europe, these reformers went around to, this is now, the Greek Orthodox went to Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Yes. The Western system paganized Rome, North America. Hello? What the Christians who came through Columbus, were they true Christians? How do we get slavery in Africa? Who are these? Dust reformers. What about these big brothers home in the native system? What they did was these, these pagans, hello, reformers, went, uh, left Europe and went around the world. Listen to me now. From Greek Orthodox and from Catholicism. Both of them are. Uh, with me. And they went and they take away the gods of the pagans and gave them the Trinity God. You don't believe that? Natives worship one God, and the reformers who came here gave them another God and, and beat them in submission to receive it. You guys don't believe that? You guys don't believe that? Take the record. Trinity was forced on the world. On the world by the reformers. Europe, Trinity was forced on them by Rome. Hallelujah. In the 6th century, we have Mohammedism raised up Islamic teaching. And forced Mohammedism on Europe. It failed, so it went to North Africa and succeeded. Where is the true Pentecostals? Are they off the scene? No. They are driven in underground. Hello? Because to teach that Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father will make you an enemy of Rome and Martin Luther. To baptize anybody outside the Trinity baptism, you are an enemy of the Reformers and Catholics. Mm? Don't look at me like that. I don't care how their doctrine varies. They have one thing in common, the pagan belief of three persons in the Godhead. When God says, I am alone, and beside me there is no other. And God said in chapter 70, read for yourself of Revelation, the world has gone mad, drunken the wine of Babylon. It's the seven women going to take hold of one man. That man is the Antichrist. And the seven women are the seven major religions of the world. From the ecumenical movement. I've been to Africa. I see what Africa believes. I know what they believe. That's not their national God. It's a Trinitarian God they've got. Hello! 
I'm not saying I've got the right gods. I'm saying they replaced one God with another God. Am I right or not? One error replaced another error. And here's a sad part. Who hung and wrote the history of religion? Not us. We don't write religion. We just read what people wrote about us. Now, church, something happened. In 1900, a granddaughter of the Reformers named Charles Parham of Bible, Bethlehem Bible Institute of Topeka's Kansas began to search the Scripture and said, how come we don't have the Holy Ghost? And so in 1901, a black lady in that group called Agnes was seeking for the Holy Ghost and said, lay hands on me. And they said, she began talking tongues. So they said, and the word spread. And when that happened, church, everybody began to do what? Migrate towards it. Because in those days, if you're talking tongues, Lutheran was stomping out. So Catholicism. So it was a hidden thing when people did it, talking in tongues. And so what happened here, in, 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 in chapter 31st, I know one, Agnes, uh, a lady by that name, she, she uh, Os- Osman, she got the hold of us. They said, they, I didn't say that, they said, but it didn't lead her to baptizing one God. So I question that baptism. I question it. You can see what you want. But if you got the real Holy Ghost, if you have the true Holy Ghost, it will lead you and guide you into all truth. It has to. He has no choice but to. Right? It didn't lead him into any truth. In 1910, William Seymour, a Bible student of Charles Barham, he broke rank with him, and he went to Los Angeles to preach the revival, and they wouldn't have him, so he started his own little Bible school. And he ran down building, and guess what happened? Bang! They said the Holy Ghost fell again. Well, it was from this time in 1910 that it began to spread worldwide. Everybody, all the missionaries heard it. But here's why they wanted the Holy Ghost. Today, charismatics still teach and believe that they talk in tongues so they can preach the gospel. So if they're going around the world and can't preach the language, they want to get the Holy Ghost so they can preach in tongues. I mean, understand that. That's a false teaching. It's false teaching. It never happened in the book of Acts. Nobody ever preached in tongues in the book of Acts. Huh? Not in Acts 2 or Acts 8 or Acts 19. Church, don't sleep on me. I'm telling you the truth. You better wake up to this. Your salvation depends on knowing this truth. Hear me, church. And so, William Seymour rejected baptism in Jesus' name. They all come against it and they wouldn't read it. There's one book in the Bible men don't want to read in this city and around the world. is the book of Acts. You can't read it and not come across the reality that everybody in that Bible were baptized in the name Jesus Christ. When I was in Africa and I asked, the, I asked those, those, those Bible school students at universities and colleges, I said, come on guys, let's be honest with me now. Who do you believe, your pastor or the apostle? They said, the apostle. I said, now, who do you believe, the historians or the writings? They said, the writings. I said, just a minute now. How come they cannot find one place in the Bible where they were baptized in Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? How come you can't find any place in the Bible where they said, I know I'm baptized in the name of the Father? One. 
two, then the son three, and she baptized. Well, I don't know. Well, why do you do it? The missionaries did it. When the missionaries did that, who are those missionaries? They're the ones who sowed tears while the apostles slept. I mean they died. And nobody could contradict them except the sword of Rome. The one with the biggest sword won the fight. Not one time did the Holy Ghost spoke to any of them. Not one Jew was among them when they had the councils of Chalcedon and, 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 and all those places. Are you with me, folks? They did without God. And when they sought the Bible, was to endorse what they believed. Not the next way around. Are you with me? So the Pope, realizing that the, the, the reformers and him came along, they decided to split the world up. Now, church, look at this. In 1913, I'll come to close. Is this all right? In 1913, here's what happened. April the 15th, 1913, a Canadian, can you believe it, from Ottawa, was invited to speak amen, at a conference in Ariosico in California. He was called upon to give a Bible study at a camp meeting. He was one of the speakers. So he came back and the conference came and all these preachers and bishops from all, all over these reformers and these uh, daughters of Rome come together, have their conference, and guess what happened? He was going to preach about one baptism he found in the Bible. He said, Sirs, everywhere I look, without exception, every person that were baptized were baptized either in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or the Lord Christ or whatever. But at no time was anybody ever baptized in the triune formula. Remember now, Constantine changed the formula in 325 A.D. to match the Trinity doctrine. Enforce it by the sword or in banishment. Right? That's why John was kicked off the, the land from Turkey and kicked over to Patmos. And he said, I can't find anywhere. And what he did, he taught that. And said so they were baptized in Jesus' name only. From when came the term Jesus, Jesus only. Only in Jesus Christ's name only. You know what they did, church? Guess what they did? They called up at the camp meeting and said, look, I want to talk to you. Don't you ever teach that again. Don't you ever... You are unethical. We invite you at this conference to speak. We didn't call you to call us a, a, a ruckus here. And how dare you challenge the Trinity doctrine? This is not Rome standing for it. This is the daughters of Rome, granddaughters. Huh? Huh? And they ostracize it. Well, here's what happened now. When they put them apart, one guy. I think his name is called Pierce. Said he was so stirred by the message, he went and had a prayer meeting all night. And in the camp meeting, next day, I see it! I see it! I see it! I, see it! I got it! I got it! It's right! I got a revelation! He ran around the camp and he's shouting and pounding. And people woke up and said, What's going on? He said, It's in the book! It's in the book! It's right! It's right! And so, we see right here, when he did that, there began to be a separation between a group of people called the Trinity group and the oneness group. A man, famous name you heard before, Frank Ewart, Glenn Cook, G.T. Haywood, 
These are some of the men that were Baptists or other Trinitarian group or holiness group. Are you with me? When they heard and gossiped, these men rebaptized themselves. So Frank Hewitt baptized Cook all over, and Cook baptized Hewitt over, and they baptized G.T. Haywood, and they were going to rebaptize over, and it starts spreading. Now, these are all people controlled by the assemblies of the gods. A.O.G. They're all Trinitarians. It caused a ruckus. And it's and they call them oneness only. And so Ari McKelson started preaching preach a doctrine called oneness in Jesus' name. And that the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And they call it oneness. Now, I don't like that term oneness. Because oneness in the dictionary means between two or more. Hello? And God never called himself oneness. It was one. One can have ness. They nickname us all a bunch of names we accept but and try to defend later on. But no. Church, they call a meeting. They call a meeting and say, Look, we are got to settle this oneness issue. Because it's it's changing the entire movement. A whole bunch of bishops, almost 600 of them come together from the assemblies of the gods. Are you with me? And had a vote. About 120 or 150 walked away said, we're going to continue baptized in Jesus' name. And the rest said, you're a cult. We will maintain the triune formula that Nicene Council gave us and the Council of Ephesus and Chancellor as a result, we see a fulfillment, church, of the wheat and the tear growing together. Who are the wheat? The oneness people. Who are the tares? Trinitarians. And there'll always be tares because they believe in the five solaces of the reformers. And they tell you today, I accept Christ as your personal Savior, and you're saved. You don't need baptism. You don't need talking tongues. Hello? You don't need none of those things. And the law is not for us, they tell you. And they can live any way they want to. But we know it's not proper. Come out of her, my people. And so you are baptized Cook, and Cook rebaptized Wart, and you are, and then they baptized GTA Wood, and they form, amen, a group. So 156 left, the symbol of the God to form. All right. So it is a fact that the oneness people that I know called Frank Eward, G.T. Haywood, and Glenn Cook were Trinitarians. But Tabernacle Praise Church, you never were. You never will. You know nothing about it. And you don't need to be a part of it. You are here, O Israel. The Lord, our God. Can somebody shout? God didn't send me here to join the pagans. God sent me here to revive the truth. 
and you can't count the pews and figure how much going to make it in because one ark and eight people. One captain and two converts. Now, church, for a close, one fifty-six separate and form, amen, a new organization. In 1918, would you believe, amen, that the General Assembly of the World, PFW, joined with the group and get us the name United Pentecostal Church? I'm going to tell you right now, United Pentecostal Church came out of that pagan system. They separated themselves. 156 of them walked away from the symbol of God. Because the people believe that what they had was true. Rome make it believable. And they walked away and they stuck to the oneness movement. Hello? And I could quickly show you something here. I'll show the rest later. But... You can see how the apostles' doctrine, amen, was in the hand of the invisible church. Here's Rome persecuting the church right here. And here is the adoptionism of, the, of these five creeds and, uh, and council that came together and gave us a whore doctrine. And their daughter carried on the Reformation, October the 30th, 1517, and gave us the Protestant movement. Protestants mean protesting Catholics. Every Protestant is a Catholic. They belong to Rome. The Pope is their father. Hello. But in 1913, when they got the revelation that oneness is the baptism in Jesus' name, it caused a havoc. Amen. And look what happened, church. Uh, if I can show you here. This is a lot of stuff, folks. A lot of stuff to look at. I want to show you a drawing I have. I wish I knew where it was. Let's all stand. Oh, here it is right here. Right here. Look at this, folks. Ellen, Constantine's mother, came conversion. Her son came in, Constantine. They got the councils and the apologetics. And finally, the Roman church became, they had the name Catholic and called it Roman Catholic Church. Made it universal. By the sword. And then Luther broke rank with them, with, with Catholicism, and kept everything except the infallibility of the Pope, kept the same belief system. And then we find that out of that came Frank Par Charles Barham, William Seymour, Ari McAllister, and it caused another division. And the seventh of God goes one way. But guess what? The sad part is McAllister recanted in 1916 when he found that his belief was not popular. His churches in Ottawa today, I believe, are the remnant of it. And they're not oneness. They recanted. They went out from us because they were never of us. They crept in among us because they came in illegally. And went out covering all of us. Hello. The oneness people that came out, I can only suppose it meant God says, Come out of her, my people.
Revelation says, Come out of her, my what? My people. And partake not of her evil deeds. What was the last thing you saw in Revelation that fought Jesus? Three unclean spirits like a frog. First was three leaven in a woman. And he killed the same system. Huh? That woman is Babylon, Rome. Modern day Rome. And the three unclean spirits came out of the beast. Huh? The dragon. The false prophet. Did you know a serpent don't have legs? But God's trying to tell you today, Satan has put legs on and become the dragon. That means he's running to and fro. He's not crawling, he's running to and fro. And church, you better believe it. Don't you ever walk in this church and feel sorry for yourself and say, we're going to run 5,000. Mm -hmm. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Mm -hmm. And many there be that go in there at. Mm -hmm. But few there be that find it. Few find the way. Very few found the way. And very few, he says, Fear not, little flock. It's the Father, good pleasure, to give you the kingdom, to know that Jesus is the Father. You need a revelation. To know that He's the Son. You need a revelation. <laughs> to know He's the Holy Ghost. You need a revelation. And it's Him. It's all in Him. In the law, the prophet. And the Psalms, it's about Him. Somebody ought to be thankful. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, the Pentecostal truth came out of that, but they came into the truth. Hallelujah. Amen. They were, and they came out. But you never were. You never were a Trinitarian. You were born oneness. Many oneness divine. One God. One God. Amen. One God. Not oneness. One God. One God. Yes. Zachary, exactly. you were born one God. One God. That's Amen. all you know. One. Yes. How many gods? One. McKinney, mm -hmm. how many gods? One. That's all you've ever known. One. Not three. Mm -hmm. Not four. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the Father of creation. Yes. The Son of redemption. Redeem us. Yes. He's the Holy Ghost within us. Regeneration. Amen. His name is? One. What's His name? Jesus. So it's hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, to get to the promised land, you've got to believe that and live it and practice it. Otherwise, you're not going in. And please don't argue with me. Argue with Him yes, at the gate. Because one sits upon the throne. Yes. And what's His name? Jesus. Let's worship Him. This is all right? Amen. Four flats. I'm so glad. No, it's this one. No, it's this one here. 